Welcome to the Fashion Your Passion podcast, your one-stop shop for all things mental health and college. Hosted by college student and entrepreneur Sammy Beatrice, you'll hear from herself as well as her incredible guests on how you can fashion your passion and get less confused in your college journey. Let's get into the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited for you guys to tune into this week's episode. I have Hani on today, who is the founder and creative head of Annie's Collections and also the founder of Kahani Digital. Hani, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course. Can you just give my listeners sort of a little bit more into your journey, if you will? So obviously, we're going to dive a lot into it and talk about different aspects. But when did you sort of create uh, the two businesses you run today? And how have you, you know, sort of been impacted by running businesses? And how has your sort of, you know, I guess you could say life changed overall, um, you know, from running businesses versus like hopping into a job? Yeah, that's a great question. So I founded my first company, Anise Collections, in 2017 while I was still in college. It was my senior year. So it was February, like right before we got into graduation and that whole thing. And that I started because I like wasn't happy with my options when it came to like, I, I did finance in college. So it, when it came to traditional like finance jobs, I didn't really get what I wanted. I wanted to go to New York and you know, do the traditional banking route. And I didn't get the jobs that I applied for. So I was just kind of like, what do I do now? And I found my way into that company through just like talking to friends, talking to family and just deciding to bite the bullet. Um, And then Kahani started during the pandemic, which like a lot of people started pandemic businesses, but it was quite stressful, I would say. But I think I got lucky that um, digital marketing was a field that really blew up during the pandemic because traditional marketing like door-to-door, like grassroots and all of that didn't really exist since people weren't leaving their house. So digital really blew up and the emphasis on even small businesses using digital was like really high. So that's how I started. And I believe that also was February of 20. Unofficially, it was March of like 2020, but I would say I quit my full-time job to become a full-time entrepreneur in February 2021. So both in the month of February. Yeah. And obviously I want to sort of like, I definitely want to dive in later into sort of how you got into marketing and, you know, digital marketing and all of that. But I first want to talk about sort of you know, if we go chronologically, so you founded, you know, your first company February of, you know, your senior year of college, and then you still went off and started working in yeah. investment banking. Mm-hmm. And was that something that you actually wanted to do? Or was it like sort of the safe route for you? Were there people in your life who were telling you, oh, just go off and like, you know, get a job that is sort of similar to your major. That way you have something to fall back on if anything happens. What was that? Sort of- yeah. So with me, I, my business was really niche. It was in South Asian clothing and specifically in South Asian weddings. I had a pretty high price point. So I think I knew in my head that this is going to take a, like, it's never going to get to the point where it's, probably turning out millions of dollars and like is a full-time income. I kind of already knew that going in or said that to myself, not because I wanted to like downplay the business by any means, but it was just like pure demographic data. Like 
I was targeting a very small population in, in the US. I think knowing that, and then also the fact that I was custom designing these clothes. So obviously that requires a ton of creative energy. And when I focused on making money from it, my creative juices just got really drained and really like stressed out. Both those factors kind of played into me knowing that I wanted to have a full-time source of income. And I felt like if I didn't try the traditional finance route, I would always have a regret. So I still went, like, it wasn't until probably I graduated in 2017. I didn't go back to, a like, it took me a year to find a full-time job. So I didn't start in corporate till 2018. But by that point, I had tried, like, being an entrepreneur full-time. And I just knew that the company needed me to have my creative juices more than it needed me to be a full-time entrepreneur at that point, which is why I went into corporate. The company still exists today and I run Kahani full-time and still balance the clothing business. But again, it works out well because it doesn't drain my juices when I'm going to sit down and design. And also I can like, I can really say yes or no to people that like I actually want to design for versus I felt like when I was doing it full time, I really like pressured myself into taking every client that walked through the door just because of the money factor. Yeah. And I think that's really important to note because I know like I was, you know, interviewing someone else a week ago and, you know, they were like, we were talking about side hustles and we were talking about how your side hustle doesn't necessarily have to turn into your full-time job. Mm-mm, it could yeah. just be a passion of yours you want to do in addition to your full-time job. And, you know, I feel like that's sort of what you did. And it's really, you know, obviously like my podcast, like not every listener is going to become an entrepreneur. Not every listener wants to leave their full-time job. And so I feel like that's important to sort of like, you know, note is like you can still have a passion and do that passion while also you know, having another passion or even if, it, if it's not a passion, just having another full-time job that may not like even remotely relate to, you know, what you're doing on the side. And I'm I'm sort of curious to know, like, sort of like, how did you juggle that? Right. Because obviously like you said, like, you know, the clothing brand, it took a lot of creativity from you. And I mean, like, yes, like, you know, investment banking, it may not be the most creative job in the world, but it still requires energy and time and thought. So how did you juggle both? And how are you able to show up to both with your full self? I will say I didn't juggle it well. Looking back, it was extremely unhealthy the way I did it. And like, that's what I would not recommend, to be completely honest, but it was what I had to do at that time. So that's how I like compartmentalize it a little bit. But I, I mean, investment banking is one of those careers that it requires 80 hours a week, um, if you're lucky. And for me, my job did require that. And so I worked 80 hours a week at that job. And then I was working weekends and evenings for my clothing company. So that's how I did it. Um, Pretty soon I realized that that was not it. Like I was getting burned out. I wasn't getting days off, like, you know, all of those things. And that really impacted the way kind of I functioned. And I think I, I, I worked that corporate job for a year and probably I think the last six months of that job were really, really tough because I was getting to the point where I was incredibly burnt out, which is ultimately why I decided to leave it. But that's kind of how I did it. Looking back now, I would say I take weekends off. I do still do two things in a day, but I'll work like 10 to 12 hour days so that I can have 
Friday evening, Saturday and Sunday is completely off. And that's a better system, um, in my opinion. No, absolutely. And I mean, like, I appreciate and I thank you for, you know, saying that you didn't like juggle it well, because I know a lot of folk who come on this podcast and I ask them, you know, a very similar question. And they're like, yeah, I did X, Y, and Z. And like, you know, then it worked for me. But like, realistically, like, did that work for you the whole time? Or did that work, you know, those tips work for you part time? So I, I, you know, appreciate you saying that. But I'm sort of, I guess, curious to know, uh, because as I was doing research, and as I was, uh, you know, sort of diving into your story, I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, she's literally the poster child for my podcast. Like, she is, like, definition of what I want, like, what my podcast is all about. So you were in, you, you know, you majored in finance. You went into investment banking. You had this clothing brand on the side because that was part of your passion. And then you, I mean, obviously, you'll take me through it, but you sort of moved to digital marketing. Yeah. And now, you know, you just got basically invited and inducted into the Forbes Business Council because yeah. of all of the work that you've done. So walk me through, how do you go from investment banking finance to digital marketing? I am so curious to know. So yeah, it's actually not as bad of a transition as it seems. Um, I So I quit my first job in 2019 in May. And I thought like, okay, I'm going to take six months off, get my health together. Because at that point, I also was juggling between ultimately a diagnosis for PCOS. But at the time, we didn't know what it was. So it was a lot of blood work, a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of like screenings and just all of this medical stuff. So I just was like, I'm going to take a break. This is really hurting my mental health and um, and just like physical health. So that's what I did. And I quit my job at that point. I was lucky enough. I lived with my parents and they supported that. And then I just worked on Anise Collections. And that is what I thought I would do at that point. Um, and then I also said to myself, I'll give myself six months to kind of rest, recover, and then I'll go back into the job search and get another job. And at that point, again, I was like, it's going to be in finance. That's all I know how to do. Let's just, that, that's what, what's going to happen. Um, I did do the marketing for obviously my first company as well. So when I went back into the job hunt in 2020, interestingly enough, the company I was interviewing for another finance venture capital firm that worked with like businesses, they were looking for someone who came with financial experience, but also a creative eye, like marketing and graphic design. And I was that person. And after like five to six interviews um, on March 15th, 2020, when the entire world shut down, I got my job. So I literally went into the office to pick up my computer and that, and then I went back into the office a year later to drop it off. So yeah, so that, um, that's how I got that job. They made a position for me because I had both sets of experience. So that was really the like point where I was like, Hey, I can do marketing. Like I've been doing it for a while. And like the corporation just hired me to do it for that. So that gave me a little bit of confidence. And then at the same time, I um, started part-time working with Natalie Barbu, who's an influencer and she had started her own agency. So working with her gave me more, a little bit more confidence in my work, as well as 
the exposure to small brands. And then working with a corporate gave me access to kind of how things run in the corporate world, systems and procedures and softwares and things that I should have. So I think both really went into helping me start the agency. At the point where this was happening, Anise Collections had shut down because of COVID and my production teams in India couldn't work and weddings weren't happening. So I I like to phrase it as I had more time on my hands. When Anise Collections came back in the fall, I suddenly realized that I did not have time to do four different things. By that, I mean freelancing because I I had brands approach me that wanted me to work with them for socials. Natalie's company, my corporate job, and then Anise Collections. My decision really came in December of that year where I was like, okay, let's evaluate my income. Let's figure it out. And what are we letting go of? Um, And that was my corporate job. So January 4th, 2021, and I came back and told my boss I was quitting. So you really got like the best of all worlds, if you really want to say, you know, like you had like the corporate side going on, you had like the influencer side going on, you had like the fashion side going on, like you had it all. I think that, I don't know, that's like, I feel like that's one of like the better transitions, if you will, into like full on marketing. Because you were just like, you had all the, the the resources right there at your fingertips. That's incredible. And I feel like it's when people sort of shift what they want to do in their life and when they shift their passions, they sometimes don't realize how beneficial like the job or, or the major they're in right now is to their next piece, right? So like for you, like you were in finance, yeah, but then you, you know, you sort of hopped into a marketing role within you know, the finance firm. And that is how, you know, then you like sort of transitioned out of one and like, you know, you were sort of hopping through it. And like people, I don't know, people like don't, I guess, just understand that like everything is sort of connected at some point and in some way. And you can utilize different things for like anything you want to do. Like I know for myself, like when I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to do later on in life in high school, I was like, I want to do, you know, sort of X, Y, and Z occupations. And then I was like, what occupation has all three of those in it? Because it's like, they're all very similar. And so I don't want to like just focus on one because I'm passionate about all of them. But I was like, at the same time, I, you know, sort of like, if the best of my ability, I want to be able to focus on all of them. And I'm curious to know sort of like when you were juggling all four and like obviously, yes, like, you know, entrepreneurship is probably a little bit more, you know, appealing to the eye when you sort of have that option on the table. But what was that sort of thought process like for you of deciding, you know, what's going to go and what's going to stay? Because, you know, uh, last week's episode on the podcast, the one I just recorded the other day, I was talking about how people these days are so easy to just quit on certain things when they get hard. Like if they start something and they're failing at it immediately, they're just going to quit it and move on and like try not even try and like fix it or improve it or whatever. So, you know, if someone else was in your situation, I would say that there are people who would choose to, you know, sort of like rid the business, right? And rid the the entrepreneurship side because they don't feel like it's going to, you know, sort of be as stable as the corporate job. So what was your thought process and how did you decide to pursue uh, entrepreneurship instead? So for me, um, I think, I don't know, I was, I got to a point where I was really, really unhappy going into work every day or like just waking up and getting out of bed and going to like 
showing up for the job that I was at. The environment was pretty um, stressful and I had gotten thrown some things that I just didn't love. Um, I, you know, had to work late over Thanksgiving without notice. I had to work late on holidays and like everything I felt like they had promised me was not what was the actual reality. So quite honestly, my corporate job, I think was the harder choice. If I had chosen to show up and stay, I would have, you know, been in a terrible mood all the time. And it would have turned into that cycle of like my previous job. And I, I think because I had already tried to see my previous job through and knew what the ultimate end would be, I was like, okay, before I get to this point, either I need to speak up and say something at my job to make my situation better if I can, or I need to figure out like, if I can sustain a career um, freelancing and working with Natalie, because those two were my predominant sources of income. The clothing company, we still honestly don't take any profit from. We just put it back into the business. So that truly is like a passion project if you um, want to refer to it as that, because we literally don't make money off of it. But with the freelancing, I just, I was like, there's a need out there. These are all small South Asian brands that have approached me because I work with Natalie and I work with this corporate. Can this grow? And at the time I had moved out, I had rent to pay. I had groceries. I had bills. So, and my lease was till November of last year. So I have basically had an entire 11 months that I needed to sustain this, um, this career path if I quit my job. And we sat down, we looked at the numbers and my dad basically was like, if you can get this many more clients, I think you'll be fine. Um, yeah, did I have to cut down on certain aspects of my life? Sure, but that's part of it. Um, I think sometimes people... I don't know. It's like, it's, if you really want to do it, you can make it work. I think entrepreneurship is often glamorized and has been in, in the last two years. I don't think it's a glamorous journey at all. Um, you give up a lot before you get to that part, I would say of glamor, but I feel like even when you get there, it's not quite glamorous. It's just that you like, you feel like you've accomplished certain milestones and then you want to keep going. But in my head, it was worth it. What I was giving up for sure was stability. And to this day, still that freaks me out. But at the end of the day, the work that I do and like the people I work with are all the reward. Yeah. And I love that. And I think, you know, it it is very clear that it was worth it for you. Um, you know, I mean, you are super successful today and uh, have so many people who are, you know, just like, just such a fan of yours. Um and so it, you know, clearly you chose the right choice. Um, but I'm curious to know, sort of like you said that you sort of had, you know, already like South Asian brands reaching out to you to do, you know, sort of their marketing for them. But how did you decide to really stay in that niche and just sort of focus on, uh, you know, South Asian brands and entrepreneurs and stuff, stuff like that? Because I was already an entrepreneur in the space. Um I knew that there was no agency that specialized in that. Like we are the first in the U.S. that specialize in that. And if not, like, I mean, I don't know if we're globally the first one, but I would say we're the only one that like outwardly advertises that that is our core demographic or our core niche. Um, and that doesn't mean that like 
we work with brands that specifically only cater to South Asians. Like we work with a candle company, we work with a chai company. And like, so all of those are products that the general population consumes. But I think at the core of it is that there is a South Asian owner that really was inspired by their heritage and culture to start the company. And that is how we um, make their marketing strategy different from like, you know, every other candle company because they have a story that's very deep rooted in their culture. And I found that marketing my own business, like that's why I started was because I loved Indian clothes and I always grew up seeing them. So I figured other people were having the same problem of mass marketing, but how they wanted to keep their story authentic. And I feel like, you know, as like someone who has been in marketing for like a little bit, I feel like it's more fun to help sort of create marketing strategies when, you know, a brand or a person has a story like that, right? Because obviously, like, you know, yes, like these big name brands have stories, but I feel like they're not as impactful as, as a smaller brand or, you know, a smaller entrepreneur who has this this story that's, you know, many, many people may not have heard and it's so beautiful and it just makes marketing so much more fun, I feel like. But I'm curious to know, I mean, we've been talking about sort of like, you know, your digital marketing stuff and all of that, but can you sort of explain to my listeners exactly what Kahani Digital is, what you guys do, um, and just like all of that? Yeah, so Kahani Digital is my digital marketing and PR firm. Um, We do specialize in South Asian owned or founded businesses, but I mean, marketing's a transferable skills so we take on projects other than that as well from time to time if if we feel like it's the right fit um and we work with brands i would say in every niche i have some in beauty and fashion and food um tech so everything that really um anything and everything that um really impacts i think the consumer day to day um and some of the services we offer um include social media, uh, both content creation and management and strategy. We also do email marketing, blog posts, SEO. Um, We have a partner that does branding and logos. And then we have a PR agency partner as well, who's been on this podcast, Amber. Um, So we work with her for her for the PR side, which is more so influencer, um, traditional PR events, um, that sort of thing. No, I love that. And I want to ask you sort of, you know, like when you sort of have networked within the marketing industry and when you sort of have put your name for Kahani Digital out there, what has been the feedback in terms of like, you know, because you're such a niche agency, you know, what has been the feedback from other marketing experts and other people who, you know, like, is there a lot of support? Is there sort of like a little step back of like, oh, like, because you're so niche, you may not make it like, what was that sort of, I guess, like chatter, like, if you will, um, when you've engaged with other marketing professionals? I think it's for the most part been pretty positive. I think people end up being really curious of who my brands are, how they can support, um, how we can collaborate even um, to bring like awareness to their firm or um, what can they learn from us? What what can we learn from them? Like people I think have been really, really supportive, which has been nice. Yeah, I think going into this niche, I was definitely nervous because of my previous business and knowing that it was a niche audience. But 
I think the difference is that South Asian businesses are popping up every day, especially with South Asian holidays, such as Diwali and like AAPI month and um, all of the initiatives that are happening to gain awareness about our culture. I think those are all kind of encouraging more entrepreneurs in our field to make that jump and start working on what they're passionate about. Because I think before in the South Asian space, at least it didn't really exist for us. So I think that's definitely helped. And then the outside support's been amazing. No, and I love that. I think nowadays, definitely, like people are getting sort of more acclimated to the fact that there are going to be more niche agencies, there are going to be more, you know, niche uh, freelancers who are, are specifically wanting to empower certain voices and empower, you know, those who may not have someone, you know, like you to be there for them, to be that voice for them. And I just, I love how in the, the industry that is changing. Um, and I think also like, you know, podcasting is such a special tool for that as well, because while, you know, you're sort of giving uh, a lot of South Asian brands and entrepreneurs voices via digital marketing, a lot of podcasters are giving, you know, you a voice to, yeah, to talk about sure. this, you know, and to sort of um, allow you to share your story about how you decided to do that. So it just, it's just so fun to me to sort of hop on podcasts, like, you know, and like you mentioned before, like talking to Amber too, it was a very similar conversation we had um, about how she decided to, you know, be niche for her PR agency as well. And so we've talked a lot about like the business side of things and the career side of things, but I want to get so I want to sort of get your personal side of things. Um, I'm curious to know first, like, so you majored in finance and obviously, you know, it's a four-year major, like you went to a four-year college, like, so you sort of knew you're going to go into that industry and something in that industry. That was sort of your thought process for four years or, you know, maybe a little bit less than four years. Then when you graduated from college, you sort of, you know, you had this clothing brand that you were doing. It was a passion project for you. Um, as you were actively pursuing different jobs for, uh, you know, the finance side of your life. And then so you were in this finance job for a year and it was stable and all of that. And then all of a sudden when this marketing opportunity pops up, you sort of realized how how much you liked marketing. And I'm curious to know, sort of like in that sort of like realization of how marketing is a passion for you, what were your feelings of what if I wanted to pursue this more than finance in terms of like, you know, sort of kind of wasting away the degree you had and sort of like, you know, just different aspects like that. How were you, like those feelings when you felt like and as you started to like, I guess, like, you know, develop feelings of like, maybe I want to do marketing for, you know, my occupation instead. For me, um, I've never actually, I don't think I've ever thought that finance was like a bad decision. And I think I, if I, uh, I guess anybody that's ever asked me like about, would I reconsider my major kind of knowing what I know now, I've always said no. And here's why. Um, I think the creative space, a lot of people, they jump into being creative and in creative businesses, but the aspect of like running a business and all of those admin things come like secondary to them. And those are the things that end up being more important. Um, I hate to put it that way, but that is like your business can't function without your books being straight. Your business can't fun function without taxes or legal or registering 
your LLC. Like, and for me, all of those things came first because I went in business minded slash finance minded instead of like completely creative minded. And it's funny because now a lot of my friends that don't come from that background, they will call me and be like, Hey, how do you recommend I do this with my books? Or how do you recommend I get this? Like what software do you use for this? And like all of those things came really naturally to me. So setting up shop, if you want to put it that way, like was really not that hard. And that is usually the hardest part for most people. And I owe that to my finance major. Um, I also owe like, you know, taking risks when it comes to business to my finance major as well, because of, you know, you learn what it's like to be risk averse versus risky versus, you know, all of that stuff you learn as a finance major. And had I not gone through that, I wouldn't have any of that. So Pivoting to marketing, I think was just me embracing my like creative side of my brain. I still work in Excel all the time. I still look at my books. I still look at money and I still decide how to spend my money all the time. So would I say that aspect is gone? No, I also still look at analytics and I actually think being a finance major helps you when it comes to looking at Instagram analytics, Google analytics, all of those things. Because again, you learn how to use a spreadsheet, which is a skill most people have to learn when they transition into marketing from any other. No, I definitely agree. And I mean, yeah, I, I personally, I knew that like your finance degree definitely helped you, but I didn't want to like, you know, put words in your mouth when I asked you the question. So I was like, okay, I'll just like, I'll give it very broad, um, yeah. you know, and sort of like play dumb if you will, that way she can, you know, give a full answer. But what would be your best advice to someone who is like ready to make a jump, either changing majors or, um, you know, changing like complete career paths. Like how did you, I guess, just navigate that? And like, even I guess more personally, like I said before, like in your own sort of like internal thinking, how did you navigate that? So I actually going back to, to what you said earlier with, so with my four-year degree, I actually didn't start in finance. I started pre-med. So I went through a drastic career switch sophomore year of college to finance. I didn't. And the reason why I picked finance was I was good at math and like, it made sense to me. That's really why I picked it from the outside. I had no idea that I, I mean, like I actually would like it, but I had done science and pre-med and like medicine stuff my entire career up until sophomore year. Um, I'd done all the internships. I'd done like all of that. I think my biggest tip would be like, if you're interested in multiple things, which I knew I was, I would say try other things out because college and like high school even are really the time that you get to try it and say that either, okay, it's for me or it's not for me. Like I think getting out later, like obviously you can always go back to college. You can always do things later in life, but I think, do you have the opportunity easier at your fingertips, like freshman or sophomore year to try things? Absolutely. For me, luckily, I had taken so many AP courses in high school that when I pivoted so drastically, like mid-sophomore year, like it was winter semester, even with my drastic pivot, I still graduated in four years and I didn't have to take an extra year. I didn't have to take summer classes. I just was able to transfer my credits easily. Um, but I mean, it's not a bad thing to have to take summer classes because you you do have the time to do that. You can afford to do that. Um, you you have the opportunity to try things. I think there's so many classes in college that I feel like I was interested in. And because I was like fixated on this medicine thing early on, I never got to try. But I do wish I had. 
um, because I knew I was interested. Um, So yeah, I guess that's my like biggest tip. Yeah, I love that. And my major currently is like they, well, they had a program and then they sort of like got rid of it, which makes absolutely no sense. But it's basically where you can sort of choose your own three departments and like you divide up the credits for each department, like to total like the amount of credits that one major would be but you get to sort of like navigate between different departments and like they got rid of it like in the terms like the choosing your own departments which like makes no sense because like so many people like you know like you and I are passionate in so many different things and they created it more of like you have like more general like there's like an art path now and like a marketing path now like they sort of have a whole bulk of classes that you can choose from in that path but I am so grateful that I was like the last year to have this type of major um because I don't know what I would do if I had to sort of solely focus on one thing because I'm so passionate about so many things and it's you know it's that's one of the reasons why I like don't understand college a little bit because you're like oh like you're forced to focus on one thing for you know two to four years and you have to like like you said you have to just like dive into it and like just be in there and there's not really a lot of leeway except for summer classes to be able to you know sort of like like explore other areas that you're that you may like or you know just explore period so yeah I mean I can go on a whole rant about college but I digress please but that's a really cool program I I think like I wish they didn't get rid of it but it was that's cool yeah, it definitely, like, when I discovered it, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, why didn't I know about this sooner? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as I was, like, telling, like, all, like, you know, my my friends who are younger, they're like, yeah, they got rid of it. And I was like, oh, I was like that's so dumb. Oh. But, like, I get it. But anyways, I want to thank you so much for coming on today because you bring such a unique perspective to this podcast. And I'm excited for my listeners to tune into this episode. But before I roll into the final question, can you let everyone know where they can find you and all of your amazing companies um, on the web and on all the socials. Sure. I will keep it easy. Um, It's for Kahani. You can find us on Instagram at K-A-H-A-N-I dot digital. And that should have the link to lead you to our website. We curate Spotify playlists weekly. Um, We have blog posts. So that's that company. And then my other company, Anise Collections, you can find at anis.collections1. Um, we're currently going through kind of um, every year during November, December, January, we take a break because we can, and we're usually done with weddings by that point, um, or all of our clothes have like gotten out to the people that need them. So we're on like a bit of a break, but you'll be seeing new content very soon there. Everything will be linked down below. And for the final question of this podcast, this is a question that I've asked every guest who has ever been on, but based off of the title, which is Fashion Your Passion, what is one tip that you would give those who are dreaming based off of how you have fashioned your passion? That's a great question. Ooh, if I have to pick one tip, I always say this on every, I I feel like on every podcast and I feel like I actually, like, I truly believe in it. I would say fake it till you make it. Um, For someone that lacks, like, I would say my like self-confidence at the time when I started both companies was like an, at an all time low. I just didn't know if I could do it. I like kind of just made myself like taught myself to believe that I could. And even now when I'm like, hesitating about a decision or something I either like I go with my gut and I like 
truly will believe in it until like and see it through and I think I don't know like I feel like that tip has come in handy with me for for my entire journey no I love that and I think it's so true and like people are like oh you shouldn't do that like realistically like you may need to at points and it's okay to do so you know as long as it's not like a permanent thing that you do in your life like you know yeah it can get you know sort of like not beneficial for you um no yeah I solely mean it in terms of when you're hesitating to make a decision, you know, it's the right one, but you're scared to like, you have to put up kind of a fake confidence for a little while until like your actual brain can believe in the decision. And I think about so many decisions that had I not pushed myself like that, would I have made that decision? Probably not. And then I would have sat on it. Like, and also there's so many decisions that like I haven't made before and then later on I realized like man had I like talked myself into it I would have been at a different point so no I love that so much and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today I really really appreciate it and it was such great chatting with you and for those who are listening I will talk to you guys next week